Hey, welcome back to the Rack and Focus podcast. I'm Josiah Blizzard. And I'm John Doyle. And we're here today to see The Dead Don't Die at the Regal Cinema, our current <laughs> home away from home to see films. Yeah, and uh, you've already seen this movie. Yeah, so this is an unprecedented Rack and Focus podcast yeah. event. Uh, I saw this on Father's Day while Josiah was uh, recuperating from <laughs> oral surgery. And so today uh, we're going to see it together here and have a conversation afterwards. Yep. It's, it was either this or Toy Story 4 and we all know how that's going to go. So let's go see it. I'm, yep. I'm excited. Good. I don't know. Okay. You're listening to the Racking Focus Podcast. Oh, it's going to get hot in here real quick. It's, it's going to get hot in here really quick. <laughs> Uh, I'm gonna have that song stuck in my head as well for who knows how long. I'm singing it right now. Yeah, it's just playing in the background of the whole experience. If I had my druthers, I'd have CD of it in the car right now for the start. So, uh, uh, um, I liked it. Let's say first, yeah, the Dead Don't Die dead spoilers. Don't die. It's true. So, if you've somehow missed the first few moments of this, be prepared. We're gonna tear hole in this one and it might be damaging to your experience um yeah it's so hard to, uh, it's okay so it's one thing that i really love is that it's refreshing to see original content from hollywood uh, yeah i'm so tired of watching reboots of men in black and you know just these even marvel right is just it just gets so repetitive so seeing an original piece of filmmaking it's just it's just nice to to see uh for once i mean rocket man still didn't feel like it was original content in yeah. a way, but it was uh this is i i like indie films i like seeing things that people are doing that just are not normal i mean you have two guys who reference this as a film multiple times yep. and i i like i personally i like that because it's just they're not taking it too seriously they like they like making movies, and they probably had a ton of fun making this film. Yeah. And uh, there's definitely issues, but at the same time, can you call them issues if it's a movie, but they know it's a movie, but it's not a movie, but it's, you know what I mean? Like there's this weird thing going. So, and that that twist, twist. It's not really a twist. It really doesn't do anything to the story at all. Which the uh, the Tilda Swinton oh Tilda Swinton thing. It's just yeah. like there. It is. So, yeah. Well, okay, what did you think watching it a second time? Did you like it more the second time? Did you like it less the second time? So, I'm going to say Did that you like it at all the first time? I loved it the first time. Okay. And, I, and I loved it this time, too. Yeah. And uh, I can see where there are people who are going to have quibbles with it. Uh -huh. And some of the quibbles, I think, are quibbles that are about the choices a director made. Mm -hmm. And I like that better than failures of the director. Uh -huh. So the things about it that some people might or, you know, might, yeah. might find problematic, I actually think are interesting because the director is making really deliberative choices. Yeah, right. I mean, there's nothing in this film. It's not that a shortcoming that they, it's not something they couldn't, they couldn't do. Like they didn't have their, the ability to do, or they didn't have the skills to do. It was just like, no, we're going to go do this. And any repercussions we get from it is just because of the choice I made. Right. Not because I, I am not physically talented or skilled enough to do it. Right. Yeah, or, I, or yeah. I'm not thinking about story or whatever. Right, you right, just right. have to dislike what the choices the choice that made. are made. Yeah. And and actually, by ma by disliking those choices, as opposed to finding fault in the craft, which we've had uh -huh. happen so many weeks in a row now, yeah. it's really a refreshing thing to experience that. Yeah. Um, I love the callbacks to, like, the original 
you know, Night of the Living Dead, and it, like the zombies felt very Romero-esque. You know, they yep. they felt like like the classic zombie. And I'm sure they did they did that purposely. They brought up Romero later on. Um, <laughs> why did they keep calling him uh, Frodo? Did they yeah. call him Frodo, or is that what so, it was? So yeah. it's Frodo twice. The yeah. idea is there's like people who they call him Baggins later. Yeah, yeah. but but part of it is um, so. You know, in comes Rizza, right? Uh-huh. Uh, in his the Wu PS guy, yeah, yeah. right? And he comes in and he calls him Frodo, and then later a character who doesn't know him, right, and calls him Frodo again because we're script referencing. We're uh-huh. we're all meta, yeah, yeah. throughout the okay. whole thing. That's what I was thinking too. Yeah. yeah, there's little meta touches that let us know we're in a movie, right? Which both lowers and raises the stakes at the same time, yeah. which is sort of interesting. There's yeah. like a big thing happening, uh, <laughs> as well as the little thing. Um, yeah, this whole movie just didn't take itself seriously, and they and and at the end, uh, it was obviously some kind of large metaphorical reference to what we're doing right now as society, um, which we can get into a little bit later. Yeah, uh, we're not gonna, so we're not gonna talk about this a couple days later. We're gonna do the whole discussion right now up front for the audience who is yeah we're all right we're altering our process partly because of oral surgery and and you've seen this already and like it's just yeah so we're cheating so we're we're racking the focus in the car (laughs) in the heat right now Uh, (laughs) oh oh yeah it's gonna get hot i'm already hot i shouldn't have worn sweatpants no um uh okay yeah so i so (laughs) i didn't realize it until the end when he um when when Adam Driver's character Ron, Ronald, right? Ron, you're right. Ron references. I've read the script. You know, I've I've read the read the whole script. Reference the name of the director. Uh, I would imagine that Jim Jaramusch, I think is his mm-hmm. name, literally told them to like read their lines as if they're reading the script for the first time or the second time. Like there's no acting involved. It's just them like re- almost reading their lines to each other is what it feels like. Yeah. Everything's very dry. Yeah. And it, that's actually sort of, that's President Jarmers' work. Mm-hmm. And if you listen to him talk, yeah. he's reading some of those line readings for them because right. that's much the way he okay. speaks. Yeah. Deliberative, slow paced. Yeah. With, a measure of irony, sort of, right. like underneath everything, or if it's not irony, maybe no affect at all. Right. Um, Jarmish is really thoughtful. Jarmish, um, yeah. And so, so when when you're listening to them do their lines, in a way, it's like a cold reading by it really, the did, it really did feel like they didn't do a table read and they're doing the first read through right, right on camera, right on set, um, which I which I liked because you. <laughs> I, I don't think you can really pull it off with many actors, but you can pull it off with Bill Murray and Adam Driver and uh, Z- Z- Tilda Swinton, who is Zelda Winston. Winston. <laughs> I mean, there's so much wordplay, so, right? So hilarious. One, one thing to know about the movie is that Jarmusch uses a lot of the same actors. Right. So he's worked a couple of times with Bill Murray. Yeah, yeah. With Adam Driver before. Right. So so all what, these people are part he, of What his else has group. he done? A movie called Patterson. Uh, oh, okay. Dead Man. Uh-huh. Um, uh, there's other things that are even more important than that. Uh, uh, Night on Earth. Okay, we can look uh, it up in our second Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a lot. He's done work you'll either recognize. Okay. I've heard of Pat- Patterson, which was uh, another Adam Driver film. It was Adam film. Driver film, yeah. yeah. And so he's... He sort of works with these same people, mm-hmm. 
um, what is it, the last lovers on earth or the last two lovers on earth, which yeah. is a vampire film. Right. Like he he and he plays with genre. Dead Man's a Western. Right. Some of them aren't. Some of them are straight films. All right. of them have this pacing. Yeah. Um. One of the things I love. I love the pacing, right? And that seems really weird. And I bet lots of people don't love the pacing. No, I, l I love the slow pace, methodical, like really just taking your time. Jarmusch has said um, he wants to try and do movies that feel like they're in real time. Hmm. And so some of those moments where we would have a fast cut in another film, right. he just lets them sit in the action. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, but the other thing I really loved is the use of geography, um, that first drive into town right. that our police leads take goes past each space that yeah. we're going to meet. Yep. And thus we know the geography of the town right. and who's where and how things fit together. Yeah. And he takes his time and he just drives them through. Yeah. There's dialogue in there, but he's laying out a groundwork so we know where we are. Yeah. It's nice to not have a uh, just an info dump, an exposition man sort of thing, right? Like it's it is it he takes his time to set everything up the way it needs to be, so that it later on in the film when we cut to the moonlight, you know, uh, uh, motel, it's like okay, you know where that is, and you know where other people are in relation to that. You know where the you know where the uh, Bobby's gas station is. Um, yeah, like it all just makes sense. Um, no, I love I love that too. I love the pacing. The people mm -hmm. are gonna have issues with the pacing. Yeah, for, for sure. sure. I mean, it's, Steph would say it's this is so slow and yeah. boring, and like that's okay. Like it, it might be slow and boring to some people, but yeah, I, I enjoyed it. it well, if you think about fresh. Romero's Night of the Living Dead, yeah. it's a slow paced film. Yeah, you know we would we wouldn't tolerate that today yeah, boring, I mean, right? yeah. people wouldn't tolerate it today right. um so yeah so so i really like the pacing i like the use of geography i think that's really interesting yeah um i i one of the things about the writing that i like so, so let me ask you about character you're okay. you love talking about character yeah so so how do you think that worked in this particular film um yeah well you have you just have so many different People, but they were like all the same people, right? Like they were all the same. Nobody really stood out as um, different than each other, right? They were all, at least from my perspective, their outward appearance was different. Their inward appearance, inward appearance, what the heck am I saying? Their inward personality, their inward character, they, they were just all kind of like very similar people. Like you knew the zombie apocalypse is coming, yet you're just you're just nothing you're not changing anything about your life other than the bobby who knows the zombie apocalypse is coming but he failed to check the back door which is just yeah a thing but well and there's like there's no affect right like yeah. there's almost no affect and we only see it in the end when right. bill murray sort of loses it a bit the only character who was completely different was zelda winston who's from outer space and tom waits character who's a Hermit. Right, who's a hermit? Who's right. the outsider? You have the you have story. those two characters. Everybody else just falls in line with the mm -hmm. rest of society. Um, same with the hippies from Cleveland. Like they just they just fall into this. Oh, this is what's happening. All right, well, we're just gonna stay in our yeah, just stay in our room. room. Oh, yeah, it's like, terrifying. This is awful. Yeah. We'll lock the door. And like that's just what that's just what it, it, it it's a it's a let's it's like the animals. Right, you have these animals that all follow each other into the woods or wherever the heck they went. 
they're all acting as a herd, moving mm-hmm. in the same way zombies move. Um, these people were just, you know, the regular people were just moving as herds of people, just not and not necessarily together, right? Like physically, but mentally, just doing the same exact thing as everyone else, not knowing anything, not changing the way they're living, not cha- not defending themselves really, other than. They're walking outside, like you have Steve Buscemi who goes outside his doors to shoot these zombies, like. And this is a this is a world that knows what zombies are, right? If this happened today, right now, in the car, zombie rolls up right here. Sorry, we're cutting. We're gonna throw the car on and we're gonna back out and probably run some zombies over. And there's a plan of action we would probably take, because we know what zombies are and we know how serious that is based on the films we've watched. Right. Uh, they didn't have that reaction. Right. Um, but yeah, character wise, like it was just kind of, everybody was very similar. I thought, do you agree with that? What are so, you thinking? What are so you thinking? It, what's interesting is yeah. I think that their acting's all very similar. So style's very similar. Yeah. We have some differences in who they are. Like Buscemi's oh, sure. obviously yeah. the asshole, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Um, and the sort of the, uh, waitress and her, Right. In a, she, she just doesn't know anything. Mm-hmm. And the sweet young uh, maid who is yeah. like well educated. Like the people yeah. have really interesting components in her right. character, but they're not demonstrating them right. by acting value. They're demonstrating them through text, right? right. We, but they're not info dumps because they're no. done yeah. cleverly. Right. It would have been easy to say, why well, you're a smart young Mexican, you know, to right. the maid. But that's right. not what happens. Yeah. Instead, we watch her know stuff. That probably the woman behind the counter should know, right? And then we learn something about who that person is. Yeah. Um, and so, so there, there is specific character stuff, but it's driven by the text, by the right. s- the, the script, as opposed to right by acting value. Yeah, it's all uh, they're their own people. Mentally, they're all doing the same thing, but they have their own. I don't even want to say personality in a way. I mean, they do. You have Mindy who's freaking out in the back of the car. Ron says just totally chill like he's stoned or something. Mm -hmm. And then Bill Murray's somewhere in between, not sure what to think about all of it. So you definitely have differences in character. But as far as, like, their reaction to this entire Mm -hmm. thing, they're all all kind of just kind of following each other, doing the same thing. Um, But, yeah, I think... And I think a lot of their character was based on their, like, career paths. And, I mean, yeah, it really... You can you can tell based on like you have a gas station clerk, you have a, a hardware store owner, you have a couple cops, you have like everybody was just completely different based on who where they were in the world, um, which is I mean that's how it is mm-hmm. in real life. So if that's what Jim's trying to do, he I mean he succeeded in having completely different people, but even though ultimately their presentation is so completely similar, similar right? Yeah. yeah. And that's and that style choice, I think, is really deliberative yeah. on his on his part. I, I also think, and we should talk a little bit about um, what you saw visually on the screen, mm-hmm. uh, shot choices, images, stuff like that. Anything uh, stick out the, to you? The biggest thing that stood out was the random use of slow motion. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure why it why the style stylistically why it was there mm-hmm. um, because everything moved so slow as it was. Right. The camera movement was very, very direct. There wasn't like really floating camera. It was like, we're going to pan from you over to you and we're going to go through the door and we're going to, you know, like it was very, very planned out. Uh, But then you have like, I was really caught off guard when it cut to slow motion of the kid coming out of the gas station door 
And I wasn't sure why we were supposed to focus on him. And there, I don't know if there really was a reason other yeah. than it was a kid well, that a, was a zombie. A disturbing image. Yeah, right. Like right. That was the only thing that I could think of. Because there's some Tilda Swinton moments where we go into that slow motion. Mm -hmm. And then at the end, of course, we have some slow motion. Okay. Um, and there was some, there was the one drive through town where the people are in some kind of, it looked like we were missing frames or something. There was some right. slight stutter motion. Right. Uh, and, and some of those may well be homages to other movies. Yeah. Right. For sure. Um, yeah. There's such a zombie lore. And if you like Romero, which Jarmusch does, yeah. um, uh, that undoubtedly has some impact on some of the right, choices what you're, you're doing. about stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, right? absolutely. Um, you know, I thought, uh, I thought it was a creative way to get around filming constraints of night and day. I don't know if they had, if there was a specific issue with like, we just don't want to worry about night shoots or day shoots. We're just going to shoot when we shoot, like when we have the availability, because ultimately it didn't matter. Right. The timing it was like, they set it up to where it could be any time of day. It could be night and it could be 11 o'clock in the morning and it doesn't matter. So they've completely gotten away from continuity and timing, um, which is, you never really see, it really, what, it happened over, what, 24 hours, it felt like. Yeah, maybe, 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 maybe 36. 36. Yeah, yeah, maybe 36. Um, uh, because we start in that, whatever, 8 p.m. time frame. Right. And we... I guess, yeah, you know, it's, it's, Maybe you know, 24 hours or so, 36 hours, something like that. Um, but, but, yeah. you know, the use of the, like, there's night for day stuff in there, right? For sure. Yeah. But you don't have to worry about it because you're. Yeah. You just completely buy like, Oh, I don't know what time it is. And it doesn't matter. It does, um, right. it just absolutely doesn't matter. This, you know, um, but I mean, the cinematography was okay. Like I just didn't, it didn't stand out, which was, mm -hmm. it, that means it's pretty good, I guess, because if you really can pick out, bad camera work or really amazing camera work the camera's not telling the story at least in my opinion um there was definitely i felt like some day for night shots like you said shot in the day maybe they converted it yeah. colored, colored it tonight um but most of the time i mean i thought the night stuff looked pretty good um the lighting was the lighting was fine didn't again didn't stand out to me uh what i did love was these random sound effects that would happen um specifically you know the two cadavers on uh in in the funeral home eyes popping open you have a little blink uh sound effect or like a little ding um i love that like the stylistic choice of that and same with there is a this floating like almost like lightning bugs floating around oh, Selena right. Gomez's yeah, head. i don't know what that was about yeah certainly felt like it was love struck that's what dude. i that's part of what i and then he kind of confirms it a little bit later right? yeah yeah but there's no follow-through with that no because you don't need to right the, yeah. the story's not right it, it you know we're getting bits of character we're getting bits of how these people feel about each other and we're being signaled by yeah things in the film yeah um i like a lot of the shot composition mm -hmm. and i like a lot of the staging i think that there's some really good yeah. blocking oh definitely um, but but before blocking composition the, um, there's a pile of times where we see these parallel constructions. So mm -hmm. Bill Murray's in the cell and there's yeah, a dead yeah, yeah. body next to him and they're paralleled, right? And they're right. both sleeping. And uh, the desks we see people in opposition, the right. coffee mugs in opposition, right. all these really interesting framed moments. There's really pretty set up shots yeah. that, and, and there's that moment where um, the, uh, the cops are in the window and I guess they're looking at, 
Tilda Swinton's character approaching. Yeah. And they're, you know, Bill Murray has that gun slung under his arm. Right, right, it's super right. cool. He's, yeah. Um, <laughs> and that, it's just beautiful. Like, yeah. this blue light, but more importantly, just really well framed. Uh, we see that over and over again. But that's a guy who's taking his time, right? Yeah, the camera, the the shots and the compositions, there was a lot of two shots and three shots, master shots, right? Nothing crazy wide, but enough to where you could shoot the entire scene in two different shots. Right. And that's all you would really need. Um, I think about, and I love the repetition that he used at the diner. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you start with the single shot, pull out to the two, Bill goes in, comes back out, you have a two, Adam Driver shows up. You go to the three, he goes in, come, and then you have Mindy come yeah. out, and you have four people in one shot, and uh, the repetition of that, I knew I knew that was like three, it has to be three, every time, right. there's, there's a three for comedy. Um, yeah, it was it was great, and, and the camera helped deliver the comedic beats, because the comedy was so dry and slow, like you knew, you knew what was going to happen, you knew the joke, you knew the punchline potentially that they were going to make, but the camera aided in the hilarity of the punchline. Right. Because you knew the punchline. The camera has to do a little bit of the heavy lifting for the The diner the scene's one of those great moments where yeah. we have the three people who are weeping in the background. Uh -huh, and yeah. they've been there the whole scene. Yeah. And then Bill Murray says, you can help with crowd, crowd control. control. Yeah. And, 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 and there's a joke. And then she does it. Like, so the follow through yeah. is where the joke really lands, right? right? <laughs> she could have easily gone and thrown up behind that car. Yeah. That, that's the first response you'd get in right. something less thoughtful. But here, we're going to get the joke out. And then we're going to yeah. have her do the throw up behind that. The three cars in a row are hilarious, too. I mean, that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Him driving in on the. Well, in the red and white. In the, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, <laughs> uh, the, the two smart Star car. Wars gags are yeah. there. I mean, the, the little Star Wars gag and the red and white. <laughs> vehicle for the oh first order just really so clever hilarious. um <laughs> so, so i mean there, there's all this i mean it's a ref it's a movie that's referencing movies and itself yeah um, well yeah yeah right and the fact that you it's referencing adam driver as kylo ren and you know there's just there's levels of yeah it's it's hilarious um production design i thought was like they made it look like a dumpy town. I'm sorry if you're from this town, if this right. is a real place, but it looked like a dump. Well, I think, I hate to say this, but I think if you come from like Western Pennsylvania in a small yeah. town outside of Pittsburgh. Well, I don't know where they were. Uh, where, like, It sure feels like, like I don't know if we ever actually hear it. I know there were PA lo location okay. people in the credits. Um, they talk about Cleveland right. coming in from Cleveland, the big right. cities, Pittsburgh or Cleveland. It you feels like it's Western PA, which would be, be a Western reference. PA, right, to George Romero. George Romero, yeah. right? So that, that makes, makes a lot sense. of sense yeah. to me. Um, the, and so we're in that area. Right. That that works for me really well, but it is like one of those areas can be right. not backward, but from, from in, yeah. in, a, in a past position, right? Yeah. Living in yeah, a past yeah, position. Yeah. All sure. of the stuff in that town. Save maybe the ridiculous uh, youth uh, facility, the detention center, uh -huh, the yeah. CDC. Right. What a tremendous like little joke, right? It's the oh, you know Center for Disease Control. Yeah, and all, yeah but right. but you know Centerville Department, Department of, of Corrections, Corrections like right. <laughs> like a clever little joke yeah. just sitting there for a person like me who's watching it a second time. Yeah. Like that that's one of the things I like right. about the movie. So if I go back and see Dark Phoenix, I'm not going to be surprised by anything. Here there right, were lots of little, little pieces things, yeah. of stuff 
that I was like, <laughs> oh, that is what what they said, or that's this little extra. Joke. You know, they the kids at the at the CDC just they ran off. So I, I know they a place to hide, it. and that's it. That's the last you see of them. I was I was expecting to to catch up with them a little bit later. But we never did. We so. only get two groups of people who survive, right? We get mm-hmm. the hermit character, right. um, and we get those three those kids. kids. Right. And I thought those kids were really interesting. Like, yeah. they visually they were really interesting. They mm-hmm. looked different than everyone else in the piece. They were yeah. brighter. Their skin was smooth. Right. Um, that their hair was really well cropped. Like there was a lot. They were in the same clothing, right? There's a mm-hmm. lot of stuff going on there. Um, I love the framing of them in the window. It's one of my favorite shots. Yeah, oh, yeah, is, the, yeah. is the framing and in, in, in comes the third boy's name escapes me right now. Geronimo. Um, yeah, we're Geronimo, right? Yeah, and yeah. he comes in <laughs> and uh, between the two of them, Geronimo right. uh, has a thing for Native Americans too. Okay, so that's yeah. a clear I love reference the, about I love him. the diversity in the film. It oh, was yeah. nice to have a lot of diversity uh, instead of just a whole whitewashed cast mm-hmm. of people. So that was nice. Um yeah, we're gonna hit our time in a second. So I don't. Do we take a break and look some well, stuff up real quick and well, then come back? I, what do you I think no matter what, we have to take a break because we're gonna have to do gonna... camera switches. So yeah. we have to do that. Uh, yeah, if you want to do that, that sounds great. Uh, we can get a breath of fresh air for a second. Yeah, I'm sweating. And come back in and and do the rest of the work. That cool. sounds good. So we're not gonna start the car. We'll be. We're just gonna flip around. You probably won't even know a cut. Or there'll be a sound effect. One yeah. or the other depends on <laughs> Sam. Oh my goodness, I gotta open this door. Yeah, okay, so I'm just on IMDb. A lot of really fun little trivia things in here. Um, For instance, let's see. uh, Obviously there's some Star Wars stuff. Oh, okay, here you go. Three cops are driving down the road toward the cemetery at the end of the film. Adam Driver's character leans out of the window with a machete to cut off the head of one particular zombie. This zombie is dressed in the same clothes and with the same hair as Bill Murray's character in the 2009 Zomcom Zombieland. There you go. Fun little, uh, fun little, uh, little trivia piece there. Um... I mean, the car is the same car as in Romero's Night of the Living Dead. The car that Exa- the three kids are driving, car. right? And they rip, yeah. they hammer that home, right? Yeah, they, oh, it's yeah. not like we don't know that that's the case, but we know that. Well, they say it's uh it's very Romero esque or something like that, right? But it's the exact make and model. Right, it's a classic. Um, it's a yeah. classic over and over again. Um, what you know, there's the Sam Fuller thing that I talked about, where uh, and I saw that the second time, not the first time. Uh-huh. Where Sam Fuller, filmmaker, right on uh, the gravestone, on the gravestone, mm-hmm. he directed a movie called Shock Corridor that um, Jarmusch really likes, but they also, I think, work together. You said sometimes. Yeah, it was on. Uh, I don't know what it was on a documentary. I don't know what the documentary was called. Yeah, 1994. Yeah. Um, um, so yeah, so that's that's fascinating. To to Guerrero, a film that was never made is what it was called. Um, yeah, that's interesting too. Movies filled with references to George A. Romero's Night of the Living Dead. We talked about that a little bit, but including an appearance of the infamous naked zombie from the original yeah. woman. Also, the three hipster teens are mistakenly believed to come from Pittsburgh, the city Romero studied and started his director career in. Right, and so, where Night of the Li- Night of the Living Dead was shot just outside of Pittsburgh. Right. So, um, yeah, and um, yeah. So. Let me talk there. a little bit about those Easter eggy things because I think there's something to be said. Um, one thing is it's not nostalgia. 
Right. Right. It's respect. It's right. a different kind of thing. You know, we were looking at the preview for uh, Downton Abbey, and I said to you, that looks like just nostalgia for a television show. Yeah. Whereas this feels a lot like he's paying homage. Yeah. And it reminds me of the kind of stuff Tarantino does all the time. Yeah. Right. Uh, right. That we see in their, you know, that film, that gang of filmmakers yeah. who are Hollywoody now. Yeah. Uh, we see them referencing stuff all the time. It's it's the filmmakers that will um, write into a genre and then they'll genre bend a little bit while thanking the people that came before them. Um, because at some some point, all the uh, all of the major directors for one genre or another were genre benders, right? They mm -hmm. they transformed what that genre be became ultimately, um, and so Jarmusch is leaving his mark on the comedy horror genre in the same. I mean, obviously Romero created this zombie genre, right? Right, but, this, right. There's there's zombie esque films before mm -hmm. that, and there's ghoul films, right? But Romero makes it the thing that we all look yeah, to. Yeah, he's now. created the classic zombie, mm -hmm. right? And that was very much so referenced in this film as you have these, you have the hand coming up out of the ground, right? Like yep. that's the classic image of mm -hmm. zombies happening, right? You see it referenced in cartoons. You see it, yeah, like it's it's the poster on these zombie films, right? The hand coming up from the gravestone in the background, you know, so. Those Easter eggs are filmmaker geek yeah. references as opposed to Easter eggs for fans. Right. They're Easter eggs for the experience of the filmmaking. Yeah. And I think that that's interesting. Mm -hmm. It it feels so much like this guy is making movies in a collective. Like there's a group of people yeah. who get together, he writes a script, and then right. they work together. Like I love that moment. Are we improving yeah. now? He's you know, yeah. Bill Murray says, Are we improving <laughs> now? Um, and you know, we're we don't quite understand and we do understand what he's suggesting. Yeah. And I mean, to some extent, we have to believe that Bill Murray and Adam Driver are killed in this film, right? right? Like, there's this this weird meta thing that's happening. But for all that aside, there's a pile of people making movies, and yeah. there's references taking place to the people in the movies, yeah. As like the name switches and all of those things, as well as um, you know references to classic films right. that are meaningful to Jarmusch. Yeah. Um and, and it might be the sort of thing where I, I imagine Jarmusch is the type of guy who makes movies for himself. Not necessarily all 100% for the audience, right? He's not looking to people please. He's not looking to, you need to like my movie, you know? Like, no, he's going to make the movie the way he wants to make the film. And he doesn't care if it's going to be really slow based on all the audience reviews that we're seeing on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, he's well, just making the movie that he wants to make. And he's making choices again. I say this again. So... Mm -hmm. You know, earlier films he's done are in black and white or or whatever, right? You know, he does these long shots, panning shots that we see in this film. Uh, some very specific choices about the look of the movie, yeah. And and there's a reason for it. I yeah. think that that's one of the things to just in that is is refreshing to me is there's purpose behind it, right? As opposed to uh, you, you know, here, well, here's a good example. So there's CGI, right? Because right. every head that gets chopped off. Right, right. There's yeah. CGI, the yeah. smoke and whatever. And we, you know, we get the ashes to ashes, dust to dust reference, which explains right. sort of what's going on. Right. But if it was a gore film. Right. You'd have blood shooting out. And you wouldn't get the jokes. You'd be right. so distracted by that. Yeah. But the special, but that's a, you know, it's not a perfect 
CGI moment. Right. It, but it's it works within the context of what he's creating. Yeah. And it's purposeful. He wants to talk about ashes to ashes, dust to dust. So... Yeah, he's going to do this. Thing. I couldn't hear the end monologue very well for some yeah. reason this time. Was it clear the first time you saw the film? Um, a little. It's it's a little mumbly, and yeah. Tom Waits is Tom Waits, right? <laughs> like you know, it's yeah. the voice of gravel and and right. beauty. Um, <laughs> you know, you know what I mean. Like that's I love Tom Waits. Uh, I didn't think he's fascinating. Uh, what I would say about him is. He, it's difficult to understand, but I know what he's saying. Yeah. And he seeded stuff. There's a lot of plant and payoff in this too. Like yeah. there's a lot of things where we get a little touch early and then right. it's, it's laid out later. But like you hear all the people talking about their possessions, right? It's so like from a thematic, they come back. Yeah. And like the, I love the, um, the, when we have the Wi-Fi group and someone says Wi-Fi and someone says Siri, like, you know, like <laughs> yeah, they're all carrying their cell, these they're cell all carrying phones, their cell right? Phones, yeah. right. Um, you know, that the, that idea of people being so connected to their stuff yeah. and that's in that monologue is yeah. that idea of people losing their souls right? and that they just are interested in the stuff of the world, the things that they yeah, have. Thematically we, it, it's, it's, apocalyptic but everybody only cares about themselves and not about the world around them um we're facing potential global crisis right now with climate change global warming what the things that are happening around us yet <laughs> we're stuck doing a podcast on movies right like whatever i i don't i don't know i don't but as a person right now like i don't know how i can make a change in the in the physical world and help climate change other than not using straws and well, buying plastic, right? Like yeah. there's things I can do, little little things, but is it actually going to affect greater change? Um, so in instead, maybe instead, I should get my head out of my phone and I should stop being so self-consumed. I should think about how can I affect change with other people? Well, you hear like there's a pile of lines that lead into that theme. So we yeah. have the newscaster, the mm -hmm. again manipulated name of Rosie Perez, right? Um, to uh, who's it, and of of the people who whose rhythm of speech is weird. That's a weird rhythm of speech because it's not in the world. Uh -huh. But you know, she references the fact that um, you know this climate change is taking place and we're hearing scientists say it's all going to be fine don't worry the right. corporates are good and people are like oh okay yeah then it should be fine all reactions we're giving to climate crisis i mean it, it's polar fracking right you polar, be polar fracking more yeah. clear especially if you're a guy <laughs> from the east coast yeah to not know fracking is one of these it's like a touchstone word for that right um and he he wants you to see are sticking our head in the sand and that's what the hipster kids do right the young kids don't they're looking out the window and are like the shit's about to hit the fan yeah. we need to get out of this and yeah. they get to survive but right. the, the everyone seems and you know it, when they're standing in that w window shot i talked about earlier mm -hmm. and uh and i can't remember her name uh chloe Spenny's character um she says just tell me it's going to be okay. Oh yeah. It's yeah. just a dream. Right. And Murray says it right. Yeah. Driver's unwilling to, but that's because yeah. he knows the script. He's the right, one that right. knows the future. And it's one of those things where like they're in the script and, and, and I wrote this down in my notes, like the idea of fatalism and the script, mm -hmm. like any actor in a story and any character in a story, like in dark Phoenix, she doesn't have the option 
to not become Dark Phoenix. Right. To not right. kill. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's the scripted text. Mm-hmm. And we have that thing that we hear being said there, right? Right. Adam Driver's like, this is the script. It's what's yeah. going to happen. This it's this end fatalistic, right. negative thing that's running through the whole story. And there's, well, there's two moments for me that stop that that stop that train then one of them is the uh, uh the Rizzo's line about what is it the world is beautiful and you have to yeah what does he say there's he says like appreciate right you the, drop me some wisdom right leave, right, right before you leave yeah. uh, uh, the world is beautiful and you have to appreciate the details or something like that right, right. and and that's a really gorgeous thing to say so like here i am watching this movie right yeah. a ton of people are saying it's boring because it's too slow yeah but he loaded it with so many details. Yeah. There's so much beauty right. that people are missing because they're looking for the wrong thing. Yeah. Like he's literally making the audience have the experience that he wants the movie to be talking about. Yeah. And then at the end, the other moment that isn't part of the fatalism is when Tilda Swinton's character, when Zelda gets out by the alien. Oh, that wasn't in the script. Right, right. Because and maybe there's hope. Yeah. Maybe there's some. Maybe there's some other options. The kids can escape. Tilda Swinton's character can escape. Right. The hermit can escape. This yeah. apocalypse. Maybe right. there's a chance. So for all of its negativity, like its fatalism, right. Uh, there may be some hope. I, I don't know if I feel that way personally. Like I'm pretty terrified about your kid's future. <laughs> I'm being honest with you. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, but uh, I know that this guy, Jarmusch, sees yeah. some option right. for us. Right. It, it only takes maybe a few people to, to change the course of history. Um, most of us are blinded to, I mean, you have, you think about something like civil rights and it only, it only, it took thousands of people that were affected by it and who protested and tried to make a change. But you have these leaders who brought all those people out. Right. And so we're not talking about just one we're not talking about just a, like a couple thousand people having to make a change all at once. You're talking about a few people who are going to create the initial change. And and those are the teenagers who survived the mm-hmm. apocalypse, right? Those are the Tom Waits, the hermit people who see the world differently, who, who, understand, uh, who understand life on a different level, right? Like it sounded like the, the hermit, what was his name? The hermit Bob, Bob hermit right? Bob. He, uh, like he was choosing to live in the woods right like he could have lived in town mm-hmm. he went to middle school with you know yep. uh, never hurt anybody right never right. hurt anybody he's just choosing to live away from the rest of the world because he does he disagrees with how they how they live their belief system morals what they're doing with their life um and so he chooses to to separate himself from that um the black kids in the cdc didn't have the option really they were ripped mm-hmm. out of society yep, and put somewhere else um and so because of their separation from the rest of the world whether you're free from everybody else or you're caged outside of the world you have the uh you have a different perspective and mindset um so i yeah i think that's interesting um and one of the trivia things in imdb we'll just read it word for word because i won't do it as well the three teens from the detention center escape certain death this is because writer-director Jim Jarmusch believes teenagers are the future and are much smarter than they're given credit for. Yeah, so. and, you know, I work with teenagers during the day, yeah. and I both weep 
about them and I'm super excited about them at the same time. Yeah. And in many ways, the thing, television, phones, whatever, are the things that are distracting them from what they're capable of doing. Right. Uh, and, and you know, that that's, I think, you know, it's an interesting thought to think that they're the, yeah. the hope. You, you know, when you brought up civil rights, it's really great because, you know, the first Romero zombie film is a metaphor right. about civil rights, right? right? It's about yeah. racism and race. Yeah. So the zombie film as metaphor is something we've seen all along, but 28 Days Later is about right. rage and violence, right? Yep, and the absolutely. hate in society. Yeah. It's a great format for us because it lets us put ourselves, it lets us look at ourselves from this very interesting distance, both mm. our, the way we survive and what it means to be human, yeah. and then what it means to not be human. Right. And Jarmusch is deliberately saying that people who are hooked up on their things yeah. are the ones that aren't human. Yeah, it's the same with, I mean, you even have something like Shaun of the Dead, another, like, yep. the, the comedic zombie film out there, right? The, the, stand, probably my favorite, oh, we lost the light. Yeah, we lost the light. Yeah, uh, my, what, my favorite potentially zombie film that's ever been made, I, just, I could watch that every day, um, it's Ask the Question, are they the zombies or are yep, we the exactly. zombies? exactly, that's exactly right. Um, and so it's just, you know, this this does a similar thing. It just puts a more of a political apocalyptic, apocalyptic twist on it, right? It, and it clearly references today's world. You have Steve Buscemi's character mm -hmm. wearing the yep. uh, make yeah. make America more white or something right, like that. Make America white. Well, I think it might be white again. White again. Uh, but And whatever keep, it keep says. Keep America white again. Or America there was some again, grammar yeah. thing that mm -hmm. was wrong with it, right? And then we have him with the black with coffee the wig, right. which, in a white cup. Like there's yeah. all of this stuff. Yeah. And the, all of those details to me are what makes a good, a great filmmaker. Mm -hmm. And and in some ways, you know, this guy's as indie as he is. Mm -hmm. And like none of his work is for popular distribution to no. some great extent. Yeah. And, and so... Like when I see IMDb, uh, or I, rather I see Rotten Tomatoes and a 38% in right, audience rating, yeah. I'm like, it doesn't surprise me at all. Right. Because it's too hard for people. But he's also talking about something that people don't want to hear about. Yeah. So it's, you know, we want to ignore it in a couple of ways. Right. Is it, is it too clever then? Is he making a mistake because he's too clever? No, I think maybe he's just talking to a select few people. Is he talking to the teenagers from the CDC um, versus, you know, like like if you were to pick out, like if this movie was delivered to certain people, right? And, he, and it was. The script was physically delivered to Adam Driver's character, Ronald, and not given to right. Bill Murray's character. Yeah. And that, again, might be a generational thing. But let's not give it to the older guy. Let's give it to the younger police officer mm -hmm. who's more likely to affect change for the future bill murray might be stuck in his ways as an older guy not saying that's for everybody right um you have people like yourself who is not my generation um wanting to affect change versus the same people who are your age who aren't aren't you know as active in certain things as you are right so it's yeah like i think that's a very clear and distinct thing so if this movie was if this movie was made for a specific audience within his film, right? It was made for the CDC kids. It was made for, um, unfortunately, it was probably made for the hippie kids as well, and they just chose not to listen. You have the mm -hmm. same generation of kids, yep. ones that's completely free to roam the country and the other who are locked up, and the people who have the freedom to watch and make change can't and choose not to. They just they close them, and they listen to this uh, Sturgill Simpson song on repeat, uh, versus the kids in the, the which the, is warning them the whole time. Yeah, 
like, and the kids in the CDC might be the only people in the film who don't hear that song. Yeah, it might be that actually might be the case. Yeah, uh, that's something I have to think about. Yeah, um, yeah, I, it's. Uh, I don't think it's too clever, but I think it's mighty clever. It's very clever, and I think there's lots of people who don't don't appreciate uh -huh. that as because they're going to movies for a different reason. Right, they're going to love Hobbs and Shaw later this they're year. They're going to love Hobbs and Shaw later right. this year, because, which means nothing. But the key is Hobbs and Shaw is going to distract you from that yeah, issue. It's escapism. You know, right. it's one of the things I'll say. Like, so I've seen the question about materialism and yeah. uh, about consumerism reference in a pile of recent films. Yeah, and every time it's been recent in a uh, in a big blockbuster, you get something like Batman, uh, right. the third Batman, right? right. Uh, the the yeah. the Dark Knight Rises, right? Yeah, right. Well, I know you had significant. Oh issue. goodness gracious! It makes yeah. you so angry because they're using the issue, and when the same thing with Thanos, right? Yeah, right. they're using the issue as a way for the villain to draw its action. So yeah. the villainous figure is using a noble act, right? As a, as a way of creating villainy, here we're not doing that. Here we're saying, that, you know, that this is a sickness. There, mm -hmm. there was that great line too, right? Is it is it a what is it? Not is it is it a disease? What is it? Um, it's an outbreak. What it was some language epidemic? Some epidemic. It's an epidemic. epidemic. Yeah, and, and all of that language is just subtly saying yeah. what it is. It is an epidemic. It, yeah, it, it's just not. I mean, the 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 dead don't die they're just living in their yeah, right. their blind world and there's so much in the film visually that supports that there's so much yeah um let me ask you this what do you think about the music in it uh, aside from stimson <laughs> i don't remember any of the music because okay. all i have in my head is that stinking song it man is burned in it from is, the beginning it's I mean, I said at the end, like, it stopped in the middle of the credits, and it really would have been a great gag for them to just play it again. Loop it like, around It really again. would have been. Um, because I felt like, I when they started playing it at the beginning of the credits, I really felt like Bill Murray, I, I wanted to toss the song out the window mm -hmm. of the car, because I heard it, that would probably been the seventh time in the, in the movie that you hear the song. Um, when it's that idea of ignoring the truth that's in your face, yeah. right? Like literally, the song's about what's happening to them. Yeah, I'm tired of hearing it. I'll I'm so tired of hearing. You know, we get that. It's so funny. Like we, in any other film, we'd have watched him throw it out the window and moved on. Mm -hmm. But in this movie, we watched the thing hit the ground and spin yeah, and land. Right, right. There's all of those little completed details of yeah. that are just about keeping the pace slow and methodical. Right. Yeah, I don't remember much of the music, I'm okay. um, going to be honest. Um, That's good. That's fine. I mean, I think it's subtle. And yeah. this time I noticed it much more than last time. Right. And uh, it's very traditional horror music. Yeah. Um, of But when I say classic, let me say classic. Classic, not current. Right. Yeah. And so classic. the pace is slow. It's not leading you. Um, there are sound effects buried within it. It's right. really interesting. Yeah. Um, so, so, yeah. Uh, well, other things about the movie that stuck out to you now, um, having thought about let's it a little talk bit. let's see if we can unpack a little bit of, of this alien Tilda Swinton's okay, great. character yeah um was there a purpose other than we mentioned like she's part of the people who escape but why was she there and you got the hint as to what she was when she swiped her hand over right. tech right and mm -hmm. you're like I like I started laughing it's like oh we have an alien right on our hands or some tech manipulator of some sort um I don't know why she felt the need to stay in the Police station. I, I think she, was she contacting the, ship. the yeah. ship, right? I think it was ET um, phone home moment. Yeah, yeah. right. Um, and so, why was she there? Did they did they say that she just moved into that town too mm -hmm. and she took over the right? She was the new undertaker. Undertaker, and so she came from somewhere. 
Like, I just don't know what the purpose of her being in the film was, right? Yeah. Other than to throw a twist for the characters later on. And that may be the purpose for her. Mm -hmm. I mean, and the samurai gag, right? The right. Walking Dead samurai sword yeah. wielding. Right. Uh, and, and, of course, I mean, there were joke after joke. Tilda Swinton had uh -huh. a load of jokes. Um, that... The, the Wes Anderson walking oh, stuff, so uh, I thought that was hilarious. I don't know if that's a dig towards Wes, because she's worked with him multiple times. Um, but that was where my mind went at first, just the straight lines oh, that so she has to good. walk in. So, yeah, it's hilarious. And that's, again, her being an alien. I don't know if maybe that's their thing. Like, yeah, separating their the, binary, the right? Distance, right? And you see, like, this binary code almost come up on her screen when she swipes her hand across. Yeah. Yeah, very interesting. I don't know what, what her purpose was, but other than to throw the characters off at the end of... Well, and I don't maybe, have maybe the another story. option, right? I don't have the whole story. Maybe I don't have... There's other things we can we can think about that we haven't noticed. In the and world. that's the thing, right? So he was given the ending, and maybe he was only given the ending up to the car, right? Yeah. It, but it was still his choice to get out of the car and fight, whereas they could have actually gotten out of the car and walked the opposite direction. Yeah, indeed, right? right? Or... or gotten the car off the bodies right those are choices they didn't make right they still he still chose to do what was in his script mm -hmm. right he didn't choose to to go any other direction and he dies so. as and a result dies, right and and you know there's that i mean there's that spectacular slow motion like that last yeah is really like it's juicy filmmaking yeah the slow-mo in there the referencing every superhero slow-mo in in the universe right. or, <laughs> and horror movie slow-mo too and all of those individual beats what i thought was really interesting right bill murray gets a beat with almost every single character he's encountered yeah in the story i said hank i can't do it and then no. hank walks by and waves like no. there's something about that that was really interesting yeah. um and and those are things that, as I watch the movie another time, I'm sure in the future, right. that I'm going to be unpacking and unpacking. It, it raised the question for me of, like, regardless of how far gone we are, are we ever actually completely mm -hmm. gone, right? Yeah. Like, if, I'm, if I just am not myself and I go down a path where I'm like, I don't know, like, I'm just... Am I am I still in there somewhere? Like, can I be drawn out? Like, could I really thought they were going to go in the direction after they started, after they started um, saying things that they loved coffee and yep. random things? I was like, man, are these zombies going to come back to life in a way? Are they going to become fully human again? Mm -hmm. I thought that was the direction they were going to go. They didn't, obviously, but right, it raised the question of like, could they have at some point? I don't. I don't know yeah, yeah. That, and and we'll and I don't think the movie cares about giving us that answer. It, yeah, it doesn't I matter. I think the yeah. movie cares about t warning us. I think it's a yeah. red flag about two yeah. things: about our blinded consumer nature and mm -hmm. and this global warming thing. So I want to reference real quick, and then yeah. I want to ask you about our rating. Yeah, um, yeah So one of the things I love is like I like culty film yeah uh, and this is like a cult classic absolutely right yeah people are going to like this in five years more than they liked it yeah now. five it's, ten it's, years you're rotten tomato yeah. score is going to go up yeah. right and the reviewers put it in the middle ground right yeah and i think those folks may be i mean if they gave it a worse review than dark phoenix i don't know what they're talking about yeah. like or godzilla but but uh, that all aside um there's these movies uh from the past uh, a movie called Uf U U Euphoria. Okay. Um, UFO Oria. Um, right. Oh yeah. yeah right. The, it, yeah. Um, repo. The original Repo oh, man. man. Okay. There's this period of filmmaking in the early '80s, late '70s, 
um, that undoubtedly, I mean, it's it's where Jarmusch is coming from, yeah. where we see these indie filmmakers and they have a, they're, it's all about quirk, right? right? It's this weird, twisted, you know, not necessarily New York sensibility, but New York sensibility of the yeah. artist and the, in Soho, that kind of thing. And this movie just feels like that yeah, to right. me. It feels like there's an individual guy who people love and he and his little gang of actor friends get yeah. together and make movies that say something they care about. Right. And they have fun while they do it. Yeah, absolutely. I, and there's it something really righteous like about that. It definitely feels like that. Um, yeah. Uh, rating. Give me your rating. Yeah, so I'm going to be like probably an outlier on uh, Rotten Tomatoes. Like I give this like a nine for me. Yeah. Like, it's way up uh -huh. on my filmmaking. Uh, as a zombie genre film, sure, maybe it's not the best zombie right. film ever, but I don't, I, you know, it is for me such a well crafted piece of film yeah. that I'm going to overlook some of the mistakes, which are or some of the problems, whatever may be there. And and mm -hmm. you've cited some of those along the way, uh, but I, I but I, I I put it way up. There. Yeah, I I kind of was I was thinking just be just because of how dang clever this movie is how well written it is you can tell there's a lot of thought and like we talked about his decisions and the choices that he made were very deliberate and not some lack of judgment or you know what i mean like he he made the choices and that's what a director needs to do i would give it like an eight out of ten like i really really enjoyed the film and i'm excited to watch it again um and that, that to yeah. me is like a real key right we've said a lot of we've seen a lot of movies and i'm worried about time we've seen a lot of movies and a lot of those we have not decided to watch again right right you know we just we were like we're probably not going to see this again or we'll watch it on hbo this yeah. is a movie i will absolutely buy to watch yes. over and over this again this is a movie i'll buy and I also want to rate it high because I want people to go see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Partly because I want them to be better film viewers. Right. To be challenged by a movie. Yeah. And partly because I think the message of it is something people need to get shaken up. Yeah. There's a moment when uh, the little the, one, the girls in the, the uh, correctional institution, she yeah. wakes up. Right. And her friend comes over and tells her that she's just having a bad dream. Mm -hmm. And that wake up, I'm like, is he channeling Spike Lee who says wake right. up in every film to try and get us to understand something's going on? Yeah. There's so many questions for me to ask about the movie. Right. I want to watch it again, and I want people to watch it. There's so a there's a film it. student somewhere this year who's writing a a deep thesis on or a big paper on this movie somewhere, and there's going to be a lot to break down, like a like a ton of stuff to talk about. So I'm excited to I'm excited to buy it, watch it again, maybe see some behind the scenes extras or something yeah. that comes out. So Super cool. anyway. All right. Go ahead. Thank you guys for watching the Racking Focus podcast. Please, please tweet at us, uh, DM us. Uh, you can get us at uh, on Twitter at PodFocus and Instagram um, at Racking Focus Podcast. And you can always email us at RackingFocusPod at gmail.com. We want you guys to be a part of this with us. Uh, be part of the community and uh, give us your thoughts on these movies that we're seeing. We want to make sure you review us on iTunes or on every imaginable podcasting uh, location, but review us on iTunes so we can have more people watch. Like, this is the perfect example. We want to do that. So let's make sure that happens. So uh, I'm John Doyle. Josiah Blizzard. Thanks for watching. And we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to the Racking Focus Podcast.